Is it possible to be both a pastor and an entrepreneur? Now, this question is often surrounded by just a bit of controversy and skepticism, but it's at the heart of our latest episode on the Life After Ministry podcast. We are looking into this topic with a good friend, John Sanders, a man who's lived out the answer in his faith journey. And his story challenges the traditional narrative of pastoral ministry. And he really shows that the call to serve God really isn't confined to the four walls of the church. Now, we know this, but in his ministry, Entre Pastors, it really is looking at something that breaks the mold. And he's looking at ministry and marketplace success. They don't have to be mutually exclusive, but really they can flourish together. So we're going to look at John's transition from firefighting to church planting and really all of the different streams that flow from there. What are the practical struggles and realities that pastors face? Looking at financial constraints, the sense of being torn between calling and providing for a family, and even the question of pursuing entrepreneurial ventures, is that within the realm of pastoral integrity? So if you are at a place of wondering... Is there something else? Do I have to stop what I'm doing now to do something else? Can they both all live together in the same world? This is a great episode for you to stop and listen in. John has a ton of expertise and has been doing this for quite a while. Listen in. All right. Hey, we're here with John Sanders from Entree Pastors. Hello, John. How are you today? Man, I'm doing great. Great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to come and have a conversation with your people. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, you uh, gave me the opportunity to talk to your people, so that was always fun. And so we get to jump back and forth. But I think that what you talk about, what you're doing, has a lot of value for the people who are listening to Life After Ministry podcast. So I, I want to just start with what was the thing that got you into ministry? You've been a pastor for a while, but what, what was your calling into that space? Yeah, I'll try and give the very short version of the story. I grew up in pastoral ministry. My dad was a pastor, and uh, for me, that was a pretty good experience. I did not have a you know bad experience as a as a pastor's kid. I actually learned over the years as I became a kind of a teenager, young adult. I learned to love the church and love to serve the church, and uh, never wanted to lead one. Never wanted to preach. I had a different plan for my life, and that was to uh, be a professional career firefighter. And by God's grace, he gave me that. He let me start that at the age of 21. I went to work for the city of Peoria, Illinois uh, Fire Department, thought that was my career path. I'd do that for 30 years and retire at uh, 51 with the full pension and all this stuff. And then God just messed up all my plans, man. Like he, he relentlessly called me to preach. I did my absolute best to outrun that. I was like, God, I love you. Love your church. I do not want to I, you got the wrong guy for this. You know, this is not right. going to be a good idea. And finally, a few years into that, I just I just came to the point of surrender where I said, God, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life running from what I genuinely sense you calling me to do. If you want me to preach, I didn't know what that was going to look like, Matt. I didn't know if I was going to be a pastor or a missionary. I just knew life was going to look very different. And I surrendered to that. And it's kind of crazy when I had that moment of surrender, like there, even though now all of a sudden I had all of these questions of like, well, what's next? I knew leaving the fire service was going to be a part of that. I knew walking away from a career that I really had desired and loved doing. I knew that was in, in the cards somewhere. I had no idea beyond that, what the, the next step would be. And yet with all of that uncertainty, there came such a peace 
that uh, that I knew I was where I needed to be. I knew that God was speaking and I was listening. And when I finally surrendered, there was just like that piece of, okay, well, whatever it is, God's got this. And uh, so for us, it, it looked like eventually becoming church planters in uh, the mission field of South Dakota. Um, and that's what we moved into. We moved away from the career in the fire service and uh, came out here to South Dakota, where I'm talking to you from today and planted a church back in 2004. So that's kind of what got us into it. Yeah. So in, in your ministry life, um, what did that look like? And did you ever come out of it? Or are you still in it? Well, I'm yeah, I'm still in ministry, but not in the context that uh, we planted and, and led a church. So we were in that role as a church planter for about 16 years because it was in early 2020 that we stepped out of that role. And we can go deeper into that transition and that story and how that took place. Um, but uh, and, and we can even get into how I'm continuing to be involved in, you know, church work and pastoral ministry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we planted a church. And also, as we were doing that, God really gave me a vision for small town, rural church ministry. The very thing I resisted, because when I came to our little town of 2,300 people, a little rural town in South Dakota, which you don't really need to put the rural disclaimer on any town in South Dakota. <laughs> right, but, it's all the same. Um yeah, but there's 10 churches in this little town, and, and people would often ask me, like, why are you planting a church here? Don't we have enough churches? And I was like, well, talk to him about it. I, I agree with you. You know, it was his idea, not mine. But right. in about the first few years of being here, and I quickly had my eyes open to the state of the small rural communities across our nation that might have a presence of, you know, steeples and stained glass and a form of religion and yet so many people who do not know Jesus, they, they've grown, grown up in church their whole life. They have a cultural Christianity that they subscribe to. They have no idea what the gospel actually is. And so through that, then God really birthed a vision in me to get churches into other rural communities. And for us in our story, that ended up looking like leaning into that multi-site church planting strategy where uh, mm -hmm. at the height of our story, we had planted six different locations in small rural communities, mostly here in the United States. One was across the ocean in Jamaica. Uh, I don't, well, across a body of water. I don't know if it's actually across <laughs> the ocean, but down in Jamaica, which was a wild story in and of itself. But Crazy Adventure had a blast doing it until it stopped being a blast. <laughs> and right. we can talk more about that. But yeah, it was a fun ride while it lasted. So while it lasted, uh, did you ever come out of that ministry context? And what did that transition look like? As I've been processing over the last few years, I probably, first of all, I can tell you this, Matt, I probably stayed a few years late, longer than I should have, which I think probably many pastors can relate to, where you start to recognize I'm ready for something different, or my time here is done, or it needs to be done. And yet it's, we often feel trapped because it's like, well, what else would I go do? Nobody was asking me to come and plant another church. I didn't want to, by the way, I wasn't hoping someone would ask me to come and pastor another church. I was, you know, in hindsight, I can look back and go, I was burned out, man. Like after many years of constantly taking the next hill, planting the next thing and just hard charging in ministry, pastoral ministry, I, not only was I in a bit of an unhealthy place, just running, burning the candle at both ends and running so hard in that direction. The other thing I, I also started to recognize, there was no like big church split or any divisive thing, but it was this since that I had that I had worn our people out, the very gifting that in me that was needed to kind of plant something out of nothing and to continue to do that and, and get this thing off the launch pad and into the, into orbit, so to speak, 
now all of a sudden was not being as appreciated. I didn't feel, I feel like people more and more were like, can we just breathe? We need a new season of leadership of someone just to come and fly the plane for a while instead of constantly doing new barrel rolls and, you know, tricks and maneuvers with it. (laughs) And so I just, I kind of sensed it's time for me to be done. Here's another metaphor too, in that season of my life that really spoke to me, by the way, you know, there's something is like a, a red light on the dashboard of your soul. When something like this clip I'm getting ready to describe from Forrest Gump about brought me to my knees in tears. I'm watching the movie <laughs> Forrest Gump. Remember that part in the, the movie where he's running back and forth across the country. I mean, he's yeah, just yeah. running constantly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the day he finally just stops with a whole trail of people behind him and and he says, I'm really tired. I think I'm going to go home now. Like when I heard that in that season, like it wrecked (laughs) me. Like, I'm really tired. I I just need to to go home now. You know, I didn't know where home was necessarily. But the metaphor from nature that kind of also made me cry a lot in that season was uh, even geese are smart enough. If you know anything about how, you know, geese travel, they fly in a V formation and they trade out who gets to be the lead goose because that lead goose is taking so much of the brunt of the, the you know resistance. And everyone behind that lead goose is flying in their updraft. And even geese are smart enough from time to time for that leader to fall back and just rest in the, the flow of others. And so I told my wife in that season, like, I just need to get to the back of the line for a while and let someone else fly in the front. And she was like, well, what are you going to do from the back of the line? And I was like, man, I'm just going to honk encouragement to the one in front because that's what they do. You know, that's how geese roll. So anyway, I was I was a little bit emotional in that season. Things like that kind of uh, hit me deeply. But, you know, it had been I personally in my own life had gone through some serious loss in my family. There were some relationships that were lost in, in that season. At a staff level, we had some people move away again. Nothing uh, divisive. Just God moved some people on and. It was just a lot, man. My response to it was put your head down and run, push harder, push harder. And it finally came to a place where I'm like, I can't push anymore. I just, I need to be done in this season. And recognizing now in hindsight, looking back, I think God would have let me out of it a lot sooner. But I had a lot of mental hangups and baggage around, well, what are other people going to think? Is it okay? I mean, is this a lifelong calling once you're a pastor? Like, can you do anything else? Can you go be anything else? So, yeah, my transition out was basically that. Um, one other detail that's kind of part of the story of Entree Pastors, there's a number of kind of pivotal moments that help create this platform that we're serving pastors from now. But about five years before I was fully done in that lead pastor role of the church we had planted, I had a really crazy opportunity to step back into full-time firefighting, like to go back into that and lead this church that's now in multiple locations. Mm. And and long story short, I really listened to God's voice of permission, the goodness of my father saying, you can have this. Because, Matt, there were plenty of people in the church world who would love for me to not have had that. Not so much even in my own church. Like, my church was largely supportive. I I went to almost all of them and just said, I have a really crazy opportunity to be a pastor and to go back to this thing that I thought Mm -hmm. I was done with forever. And I sense God is inviting me to take it, but I... I'm not asking for your permission. I'm asking for your blessing. And largely, my church was was good to bless me with that, although deep down, I know there were people that were not excited to see their pastor also back in the full-time, you know, another job that didn't include them. Yeah. And uh, so there was, there was some mental stuff around that. But in hindsight, I can see where God was laying a foundation for me to be able to step out of 
the pastoring thing and have something to fall back to, you know, and be a part of what I'm doing now. So anyway, that's an important detail in the story as well. Yeah. And I'll put a bookmark there. I want to come back to that in a second. But uh, one thing I think is interesting is a lot of people would say, those who are in ministry, is that my church ran me ragged. My church is the one that burned me out. It sounds like you, and I, I think I'm wired the same way, but that you did it to yourself and you don't need a church structure, infrastructure to be able to burn yourself out. And I realized like when I came out of ministry myself, that I, I could burn myself out all by myself without me. I don't need anything to burn me out. I can I can burn yes. myself out. Um, how do you how do you keep that in check? And d- is that some of your wiring? And how do you even prevent some of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, one hundred percent yes. And I accept every bit of that statement because that is true. I wore my church out. They didn't wear me out. I mean, there's there's all those expectations that are there that are not always biblical or healthy. But I learned to navigate that, I think, fairly well in terms of like, I'm not I'm not going to step into what you want me to be, you know, what you think I should be. I put more expectations on myself. I'm a pretty hard driver in, and uh, I I want to get stuff done. I want to go. I'm energized by that. But if it, if that is not held in a healthy place, it can lead you to burnout. It can lead you to to just wear yourself and others around you out. I fully recognize that about myself. Here's the other one caveat I'll, I'll share with that, though, I, I do believe that I have a high capacity for for activity and for movement that may wear other people out, but actually energizes me. But the part that really wore me down is this. There was a season in our church's story where things were moving up and to the right. We're growing. Things are going well. Everything we touched just seemed to work. And that was so much fun. And then we got into a season where it, that wasn't the case. Our church went through a significant financial hardship, uh, kind of a multifaceted storm. Our farmers went through about three years of significant challenges, which caused them to not be able to give. We lost some of our key families to just, again, life, moving them out of the way and moving them to other states with work. And now people who are funding the church at a pretty high level are not. And all of a sudden, we are in three years of financial crisis. So when that is your only thing, as a pastor, like the church, this is my full identity. It's the one thing that I'm responsible for and and constantly thinking about. And then also, by the way, my family's financial well-being is dependent. So not only is the church's future dependent on the giving of the people, but also my family is, you know, relying on keep the engine running. Right. Yeah. And other staff at this point now I'm carrying all of that weight. That's what really, started, I think that more than anything else was wearing me down was just the, that mm. struggle. And here's why I say that. If back in that season, if I knew that I had the permission that now I'm trying to give to a whole bunch of other pastors, if somebody would, if there would have been an entree pastors telling me, Hey, John, not all of your entrepreneurial energy needs to be poured out on the church. There's a part of that. You can just let God carry that. And John, you can go launch a business of your own because there's a lot of things as pastors we don't have there's metrics that I really don't at the end of the day have control over. I can't really affect our church's budget, how many people are coming to Christ, how many baptisms have happened, how many people we helped steer away from divorce this year. Hmm. There's a lot of that stuff. It's heavy. I feel it. I can't really control it. When I get out into the marketplace, I can kind of like flex those muscles a little bit. I can do some things that are a little bit more dependent upon me and by the way, then I'm not wearing everyone else out around me on the church side of things out because of, you know, 
that's my only gym, if you will, to work out in. That's the only arena that I have. So again, that may not be for everybody. Now, I recognize not everyone's wired quite like me. That's fine. But for me, if I would have had a healthy outlet to where I could have gone and maybe blown off some steam, it, I might not have pushed so hard on the church side of things. It might have been a little easier to just go, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll get through this. You know, it's a season. But when it's like, man, we got to figure out a way to, to get this thing back on track and where it needs to be. I probably pushed too hard. I overcorrected at times. So anyway, that's just observation that I've come to, to see in hindsight, looking back and processing that journey. So let's talk about entree pastors um, and and all of the dynamics that go into it because uh, I, I didn't really even for myself didn't realize how much of an entrepreneurial spirit I had uh, until I came out of church ministry. What, what I should have recognized while I was in it was I like starting new initiatives, right? Like, hey, yeah. this is a great thing. Let's let's start this campaign or let's go with this idea for vacation Bible school or this series, right? So I in, in that creative spirit. But since coming out of ministry, you know, five years ago, I've, I've, I've started two LLCs in a nonprofit, uh, yeah. and realized like, oh, I kind of like this. And, you know, I keep thinking like nobody puts baby in a corner. Uh, it's really hard. Like, how do I show up? Who do I show up as on my LinkedIn profile? Because I have so many things going. Yep. You're, you're very much the same way. Um, how, how do we talk to, pastors who are struggling to try to figure out, well, I'm stuck here. I'm full-time church and it's not just a 40 hour a week. This is 60 hours a week and I'm always on call. This whole bivocational thing, I I would have never like those people were rogue renegades when I was in the ministry and Mm -hmm. I never figured out like, how could they do that? How did their church give them permission? I I couldn't even give myself permission. So all of those different dynamics and speak to, because we talked to lots of people who are I think I want to come out. I think I'm done with ministry. And maybe if maybe it's just that they're they're done struggling financially. Maybe it's just they they need another outlet. So how do they go about stepping into some of that space of, um, hey, I, I got to do something different. I need to get some income from my family, and I I I don't know how to take that next step. Are you advocating for? bivocational or are you saying get out and start a job like help help us understand this for people who are in that that fulcrum point of i don't know what to do next well the first overarching principle i want to be really clear about is i'm not prescribing any specific thing for any person that that's half the problem in church world we all are not all but many of us are striving to be clones of someone else and we end up being a terrible clone of someone that God did not create us to be. We're trying to build the thing they've built and make our thing look like their thing. And, right. and then we build up our scripture verses and you know our criticisms and critiques of our brothers who are doing it differently. So my overarching uh, encouragement is you lean into the story that God has written for you. You are uniquely created beautifully by your creator who we know loves diversity and loves all kinds of different uh, avenues of show, you know showing ultimately his glory, and you're part of that. And your story can look different than the pastor across the street or whatever. Almost so I sounds biblical. It sounds biblical. Yeah, it really, I, I think I read really that does. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> right. So let's just lean into that for a minute. So what I'm getting ready to say next is not necessarily uh, prescriptive, but I want to say speak to the bivocational thing. For years, I kind of viewed bivocational, like I think probably many do, where it's almost a 
a disappointment, like, oh, that's too bad for you. Like, I'm sorry you're not able to be so successful in ministry that that you're able to do it all full time. Right. Your and church get, can't afford you, right? So you got to yeah, go get yeah. another job. I'm sorry you haven't been able to meet the pinnacle of a $50,000 a year salary package and do it full time. Like, man, you oh, know, that's yeah. that's all of our goal is to get to that point, right? But I want to say this to, to that. Let's think about this for a minute. I don't know everybody's context of what overseas missions look like for them. But in my church world growing up, I know this, we were, we supported a lot of different, you know, missionaries overseas. And if, if a missionary were to write back home through their prayer letter or whatever and say, man, I have found an in to the community that I get to show up either weekly or even daily. And I am rubbing shoulders with people far from God and having access to their life. And oh, by the way, they pay me for this. I actually get paid something to be out here doing this thing. Back here in our little church circles, we would all celebrate and applaud that and go, that is great missionary. That is so good. And then when we turn the focus back to pastoring in the Western part of the world in the United States, if a pastor has that same opportunity, we go, oh, pastor, what's wrong? How's your quiet time with God? Like, are you, is there hidden sin in your life that you have to (laughs) do this and you're not able to go out and do this full-time vocational professional pastoring thing? And so we almost look at it with a sense of like, too bad for you, or you, you're not measuring up. The other thing I'll say to bivocation, this is where the entrepreneurial piece comes in. If it's just because I need more income for my family, I, I always encourage pastors, man, if we can, if I can get you away from the model of going and trading your time for money. So I don't want you just going to Walmart and working for minimum wage or for $25 an hour. If I could at all help light the entrepreneurial fires in you. And I believe to some degree, God has put all of that in us because we're all creatives because we, we're made in his image. Some of us may be more than others. I recognize that. But man, I can we can turn up your earning potential tremendously if we can get you to show up as an entrepreneur and launch a business of your own. I can help you make so much more income in less time you know, than if you're just going and working a W-2 job somewhere. Again, no shame in that. Uh, but I, at Entree Pastors, we want to help pastors do better financially, it, but it's not just about the money. The money's important. It touches a lot of other things, both personally and vo- uh, corporately, you know, for that pastor in the church that they lead. But it, it gets to the deeper thing of this identity piece. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm backing into your question here. To the pastor who says, I want to do both. I want to be, I still feel called to vocational ministry, and I, I know this is where I'm to be in the season. Great. Let me help you figure out a way to do both, to be effective in pastoral ministry and to be effective in the marketplace. And to the pastor who says, I don't think I want to do this church thing anymore. I think I need a season or maybe the rest of my life where I'm never behind a pulpit again. Mm -hmm. I say to that pastor, I celebrate you as well. And I can help you step into a new season of ministry that is no less ministry than the ministry you were doing before. It is still valid and it's ministry. So I don't really think you're out of the ministry. I know what we mean when we say that. You're not on staff at a church anymore. My friend, you are not out of the ministry. As a matter of fact, quite likely you're going to be stepping into far more ministry, gospel, Jesus conversations than you ever had sitting in the four walls of your church office. So anyway. Well, and I I think I I hear a lot of people, even when I was pastoring, that there were people who were business guys that said, you know, I I think that God is calling me 
out of all of this, you know, corporate stuff, he's calling me to ministry. I'm going to quit my job and work in the church. And and then there's just, I just know so many people who've come out of ministry. And it's the, the entire concept of what we're doing with life after ministry is we're asking the question, is there life after ministry? But also, is there ministry after ministry? And I guarantee yes. you to a T, every single person that we've talked to who was a pastor in ministry of some kind, They've all said, not only is there life after ministry, but there's even more ministry after ministry. And I, I, I'm just, I'm surrounded by people who are not Christians now. That's, that's what my life yes. looks like instead of being in the church and so busy. And I, I think I, I could have done more about this when I was in the church for sure. Sure. Um, to go out there. But really, like the setup was that people just brought people on Sunday and you know, you speak and that's how you're doing it. But I, I totally agree. It, but everybody's at a different point in this journey and they have to figure out what is the best avenue. Where's where God leading you in that journey? Yeah. For years, I kind of felt guilty about what I now realize is not a flaw. It's a feature, but I'm an entrepreneur. I didn't know that always about myself. And, and in the church world, I felt guilty at times when I found myself gravitating toward listening to business podcasts or reading business books or loving the stories of a startup. Matt, in hindsight, I look back and go, of course, God used you not only to plant one church, but to launch multiple campuses in that. And as you said earlier, to constantly be starting something new uh, in the church world. I just didn't know that that was an entrepreneurial thing that I was doing. And so, again, this may not be for everyone, but for me, I've come to celebrate who God made me to be. I start things, I build things. And in much of the time, I then hand them off to other people to keep running them. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur and God can use that inside of the church. And he certainly can use it outside of the church. But one thing we hear consistently from the pastors we interview on our Entree Pastors podcast who are doing, you know, a business of some sort in addition to their, their church work is this theme of, I get so many more opportunities to minister to you know, people who are far from God through my work out in the marketplace than I do week in and week out in the church. So, and again, like, let's don't go to extremes. Let's not say, well, then let's just quit the church thing and be full-time in the marketplace and, and have no church. Well, we need both. So where are you? Some of you, it's going to be both and, and others, your season of ministry will go from church work out to the marketplace and uh, let's celebrate that. And because again, when like right now, I'm I've got a guy in, in our fire department, my on my crew who's transitioning out of the fire service into a different line of work. He had an opportunity, just could not pass up. We all celebrate that in in normal marketplace. You know, normal people get that that uh, luxury that when they decide to go from this industry to that industry, their friends applaud and celebrate it. When a pastor decides to do it, right. people again say, "What's wrong, pastor? Like, are you not?" Do you not love God as much this year as you did in previous years? Why are you wanting to leave pastoring? You know, there's some, there must be a problem. So I just reject that, man. It's, it's all ministry. If we see it that way. And if we're, if our heart is to serve God and serve others, believe me, he'll bring people across your path that you will not see inside the four walls of a church when you're out in the marketplace. Yeah. So 200 years ago, you were raised in a family of blacksmiths and you were a blacksmith the rest of your life. And that was it, right? Like this is, this is who we are. This is what we do. And with the Renaissance, you, you have this like, oh, well, I can do this and I can do that. Um, how do you, how do you speak to people that would, would have a criticism of, well, if you're splitting your time, you're splitting your heart and therefore you're hurting your ministry. You're distracted because you're only doing it part-time. You're not really available for the people. 
Yeah. Well, again, I just think that to to paint with such broad lines for everybody is a mistake right out of the gate because when you know when I was at that crossroads of looking at going into full-time firefighting while also pastoring, I did seek godly counsel from voices in my life that I trusted and and godly leaders. And one of the pieces of advice that I got that was really good from one of my mentors was he said, "Here's the word that comes to my mind, John. It's the word capacity." He said, not everybody has the capacity to do what you're talking about doing. And some people do have the capacity to do that. And so that's the thing. Like when when someone is worn out by my calendar or my schedule, that says more about them than it does about me. Like I'm not worn out most of the time. I have some healthy uh, rhythms in my life where I am having silence and solitude and rest and Sabbath. Um, and, and yet you look at my calendar and it's like, man, John's got a lot of movement, a lot of business. I have the capacity for that. I like it. I'm not prescribing it for you. So I think for some, it's probably not wise for them to try to split their focus. Some people are probably better off just doing one thing and doing it really well. And that's that's good. That's what's right about them. And then there's others who I believe absolutely can do both. I'll I'll speak to it from the church point of view, though. And I, on my podcast for years, I've used the name Gladys. Gladys is my uh, caricature of your crotchety old church person who has been around <laughs> since the apostle Peter started this whole thing. And we apologize and, to uh, all of our listeners named Gladys. So yeah, sorry, Gladys. It's like if your name's Karen in our society today, <laughs> right. it's just unfortunate. But, yeah. Uh, Gladys and Deacon Dale, those are the two names that I always throw out there. But anyway, <laughs> Gladys is never going to celebrate her pastor being out doing something else. Because to Gladys, the perspective is he's not sitting around praying for me 24 hours a day. Uh, he's not available to me as much. And that's the part where we have to really say, well, am, am I living Gladys's life or am I living my life? You know, maybe I just have to be okay with Gladys's disappointment in me. Because here's something else too, Matt. I don't know if this is a painful part of my story or I, there's no bitterness as I share this. It's just the reality of it. And I'm sure many of your listeners can relate. When, when I finally did make that transition out of the church that I had planted and led for almost 17 years, um, I can count on one finger the number of people that have reached out to me after I've no longer been in that role as their pastor to say, hey, how are you doing, John? How are things going in your life? And I don't say that with bitterness. I just have come to accept once you're no longer their pastor, there's just a, a part of that relationship that goes away. They love you while you're their pastor. And so um, it's like, listen, I'm not going to live my life entirely for you. I'm going to live the life that God has put me here to live. I'm going to serve you well. I'm going to love you in the season that I get to love you and shepherd you and guide you. Um, but the day is coming for all of us. You're going to step away from your church. I don't care how great of the part of the story you're in right now. At some point, you will no longer be pastoring those people. And a lot faster than you think, they're going to forget you as their pastor. I mean, they just will. And I'm not. that's not meant as a bitter negative statement. It hopefully puts things in perspective to say, don't give Gladys so much power over your life because Gladys is not going to be there for you about five minutes after you're not pastoring Gladys anymore. That's right. It's it's God's calling for your life, not Gladys's calling yeah. for your life, right? Amen. So here's where I'd like to wrap this is if I'm listening and I'm somebody considering coming out of ministry how do I put my toe in the water? What is a good first step? And kind of maybe couple that with the work that you are doing with Entree Pastors uh, and what that onboarding process might look like. Yeah. Well, 
one of the biggest mindset issues, and there's a number of them, but one of the biggest uh, limiting beliefs that we help pastors with at, at Entree Pastors is this idea that, well, what what value could I possibly offer to the marketplace? I've been in pastoral, I went to seminary, I went to Bible college, seminary, I've been leading in the church for two, three, four decades. What in the world can I offer in the marketplace? And so a huge part of the work that we do, at least initially with our clients, is help them recognize you have been honing a tremendous skill set mm-hmm. in church work over the years that is highly valuable and and uh you know profitable in the marketplace and i won't even go down the list we could spend you know a long time unpacking all of the different people skills and leadership skills and speaking skills and all of the things that pastors use daily so much that we start taking them for granted and and fail to recognize if we just repackage those a little bit um all of that is transferable to the marketplace. The, the next thing that I would say in, in response to your question is let's find out what what do you get excited about? What are you curious about? What do you, you know, what do you lose track of time when you're doing? And I'm quite okay if it's not a church-related thing. I see this a lot with pastors that want to start a business because church world is all they've ever known. They they immediately go to church side of things, saying, "Well, I'm going I'm to write devotional books for churches. I'm going to write curriculum for churches. Or I'm going to coach pastors." And again, nothing wrong with that, but there is a really big marketplace beyond the church. So if I could help, you know, connect some dots in your life to see, let's find out what you're good at, what you love doing, what you're passionate about, and then go find a need in the marketplace that you can serve and and uh, respond to. We can start to create revenue around that thing. We get a little bit more detailed, obviously, with our our clients. We have a couple different like broad pathways that we introduce them to as we really help them assess like what and sometimes they already know, Matt. Sometimes pastors will come to us saying, I've always wanted to do XYZ. And it's like, great, let's help you do it. Let's help build the strategy around getting that LLC established and all of that stuff. But be, before we can get to that point, we have to do some of that assessment of like what are you good at? What do you love to do? What would be a good, you know, business for you to start and jump into? And then let's help you take action and go do it. It is so rewarding to see pastors who just a few months ago did not have a, a business of their own and thought it was amazing, you know, that they got to work at a school for, you know, $100 a day substitute teaching to recognize we can far surpass that with you having a business of your own. And to see that them getting those results, it's just awesome. So I'm really energized by the work that we get to do with our our people at Entree Pastors. And you get to help weed out not every idea is a good idea, right? You can also sure. say, you know, there was a point in time when I was doing children's ministry and I thought a really great spinoff video series would not be the Veggie Tales, but uh, it would be called The Noodles. And I said, imagine the possibilities. And I thought, <laughs> I'm going to just create this whole Phil Vischer empire like him, but it's going to be pasta based because everyone likes carbs a lot more than veggies, right? So. <laughs> That would have been an idea that thank thank goodness we didn't follow through on that one, right? <laughs> maybe maybe someone's going to steal it now and run with it. It may just have been before its time. I, might but do, I, I like it. I might need to do some research before we release the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is seriously that is part of our process. Is you know validate your your idea. You know, is there actually a market for this? Right. And, um, so yeah, it's. But here's the thing: at the end of the day, that's all business is. It's solving problems for people, providing service, products, goods, valuable things that people need. And um, you figure out what that is and and do it in a way that God gifted and created you to do. And it's energizing, man. It's life-giving. And the the thought that you can actually make far more doing that financially than you ever did in the pastoring side of things, 
it's just like, where has this message been all along? Like how much healthier would pastors and the churches they serve be if, if we adopted this mindset more than, no, there's only one way to do this. And it's full-time, which means we own you 24 seven, which means we're going to pay you most of the time, a subpar salary and, uh, you know, shackle you up with a lot of unspoken and sometimes spoken expectations of what we, you know, think our pastor should be doing for us. So anyway, lot much healthier way of doing it. And I hope to introduce thousands of pastors to that in the years to come. Yeah. And, and for sure, we're sending people your way as well. Uh, if somebody wants to follow what you're doing and get in touch with you and listen to the podcast, where do we go? Yeah, entrepastors.com. And the word entree, we just took the word entrepreneur and shoved it up to the word pastor and made a new word. So it's not, I don't think it's in the dictionary yet, uh, but entrepastors.com. And uh, all the all our contact is there. The podcast is there, all the stuff. So check us out there and we'd love to serve you in any way that we can. John, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being with us here. Uh, before I say goodbye, is there life after ministry and is there ministry after ministry? 100% yes and amen. Don't make this heavier than it needs to be, guys. Like we serve a good God and uh, he's He's going to continue to use you in different seasons and different chapters of your life. So 100% yes. And Matt, I love the work that you're doing um, coming alongside of pastors that are that have been in a difficult and dark place. We need to make a much healthier transition out of pastoral ministry for pastors and have it be something that can be celebrated and uh, off ramps, on ramps that we can come and go as God leads and guides and it's celebrated and not uh, so catastrophic like it's been for far too long. So keep up the good work that you're doing, man. Amen. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. I'm so appreciative to John Sanders for his wisdom in this and, and asking that question, can I be both a pastor and pursue a business calling or something even outside of my nine to five, which we all know is much longer and much bigger than that, but this, this ministry, vocational ministry calling that I have. And so what I love about that conversation with John is it opens up some doorways, even just to start to think differently about how we look at that. And some of you are in spaces where your church can't necessarily afford you. And so what does that look like to take a little bit of burden off of the church and, and really off of your family to be able to find another stream of revenue. So what he's doing with Entree Pastors is really a great on-ramp to doing that. I also know that some of you, if uh, the Barna stat is true, that 42% are thinking about quitting ministry altogether, and you're trying to figure out what that next step is, that is what we're doing with Pastoral Transitions, is giving you a pathway to consider what is a next career spot for me, and how do I make sense of where God is at in this, and do I have the financial runway uh, and I know the answer to most of us is is no. Um, and then I, I think that there's probably some counseling that we need. I need personally, we need as a couple, my family might need. So that's where Pastoral Transitions comes in. One thing I'm really excited to let you all know about is that we've recently added in a nonprofit element to what we're doing. Um, five to one, we are getting pastors who are coming to us who are saying, I wish I knew about you six months ago. Uh, where were you three months ago? Even somebody said, I wish I knew about this 30 years ago. Um, I was in high school back then, so that probably would not have been all that helpful. But 
Uh, through this nonprofit partnership that we have, we're able to receive tax deductible donations. And what we're able to do is provide the same services that we're doing when the church is paying for it, but we're able to scholarship people in. So that is, we are at the beginning phase of that. We are coming up against year end right now. So if that is something that you want to be able to give towards, you can go to pastoraltransitions.com and click on the donate button and that will direct you towards that path. We will take all of the funds that are received there and we will pour that directly back into ministry to those of you who are coming out of ministry. So thank you for listening to the Life After Ministry podcast. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Shalom.